And good Wednesday evening to you. It is Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. I'm James Briarton in Charlotte, and welcome to an extended edition of the Carolina Weather Group. We are tracking Hurricane Ian, which made landfall as a very strong Category 4 storm with winds 150 miles an hour in Florida today. And now we are watching anxiously as the storm continues to move across Florida at this hour with the Carolinas and the Georgia coast in its sights as we look ahead towards the weekend. We have an expanded panel tonight that are going to take you on a little tour of the Carolinas and let us know what they will expect to see in their backyard. And we're going to start with Rob Fowler, who is WCBD's chief meteorologist in Charleston, South Carolina. And, and Rob, this storm is going to be coming your way first. And as our first guest tonight, I'm going to have you help me set up the premise, but I'm going to go ahead and put the forecast cone on the screen for those watching live right now on YouTube, Facebook, and the like. But we could be looking at a tropical storm, Ian, making landfall somewhere along that South Carolina coast on Friday. What type of timing and impacts are you expecting in your area? Yeah, hey, James, uh, we're, we're certainly interested in what it's going to look like on the other side. Of course, uh, earlier this week, we weren't quite sure if it was going to make a way, its way back into the Atlantic Ocean, and it looks like that's going to happen. So now we've got to see how strong it is, what it looks like, its structure when it gets into the ocean. And then as it starts to head north, that seems to be where most of the models are kind of trending, and that would put it somewhere between Savannah and Charleston on Friday afternoon, a official landfall, but we know uh, it's a lot more than just a point on a map. We're going to start to see impacts here uh, probably through the day tomorrow in terms of rainfall. We've already seen gusty winds anyway today here in the Charleston area, but they will continue to ramp up through the day tomorrow. And of course, Friday, we really feel is going to be our main impact day. That's when we'll see the heaviest rain. That's when we'll see the highest winds. Uh, rainfall totals, uh, we're looking at maybe six to 10 inches along our coast. Maybe some pockets even higher than that could reach a foot. And then back away from the coast, which would be uh, closer to Interstate 95, which is generally about 50 miles from the city, uh, heading out west, probably somewhere between four and six inches of precipitation. Uh, winds, hard to gauge right now, but certainly we're looking for tropical storm force gusts. What we're just hoping not to happen is this does strengthen and give us maybe a low-grade Category 1 feel to it, if you will. There is a hurricane watch for our area, so that is certainly a possibility. But I think uh, whether it's, uh, you know, 70 mile an hour and 75, 65, I think the uh, impacts for us would be the same. We're also dealing with uh, tidal flooding, potential storm surge. Uh, we have higher than normal tides because of the recent new moon. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, things going on here in Charleston. And if you've been to Charleston, you know, we flood a lot, even just on a good afternoon thunderstorm. So when you throw a lot of rain, several inches at least on top of a tide, uh, on top of onshore wind flow coming in ahead of the storm and around high pressure, uh, it's going to be a messy Friday here. Even our mayor came on uh, during a live news conference and said, uh, we love our tourists, but this is probably not the time that you want to tour our beautiful city. Yeah, certainly. And we've seen a lot of that flooding, even just small sprinkles that can be devastating through the, the Charleston area. Uh, we'll look here at the NAM model, just one of the many computer models, right? And we know that there's not uh, a complete agreeance on exactly where this landfall could or could not happen. So this one uh, showing the latest model run here where it thinks the landfall could be closer to Wilmington. And uh, we will talk to Eric about that perspective in just a moment, but showing people maybe what the GFS thinks as the storm maybe makes a landfall closer to Hilton Head. So 
south of Charleston come late on Friday. Let me ask you this, Rob, because you brought this up and this has been on my mind. As we are looking at the forecast cone, I think a lot of people are thinking kind of the same thing here as, oh, okay, if if the circulation can get back out over water, which it seems like it would most likely do, what are the odds that it grows from a tropical storm back to a category one? I'll be honest with you, James. I mean, anything is possible in this ball game. I mean, last night going into our 11 o'clock news, you know, we were looking at a potentially 140 mile per hour storm. And then overnight, early this morning, now you're looking at on the verge of a cat five, 155. So on the front end, certainly uh, miles per hour were added. It was stronger. So on the back end, it's been added 65 mile per hour wind forecast once it gets into the Atlantic Ocean. So I don't think there's anything at this time, uh, maybe some dry air, some other things that might work against it. It really just uh, depends on how long it's over Florida, uh, what the structure is going to look like and how much is left over by the time it gets into the ocean. Because our water temperature is maybe not as warm as the Gulf or down in the Caribbean, but we've still got offshore uh, water temperatures in the low to middle 80s right here along the coast, a little bit cooler. But I, I think, uh, you know, right now we're not discounting that fact. And I think the Hurricane Center agrees with that, too, by uh, putting up the hurricane watch earlier today. You know, we've got Jared Smith yeah. behind the CHSWX account in Charleston, mm -hmm. who I know is also watching this closely and has some questions for Rob. Yeah. You know, I, I've been thinking about the, uh, the surge here. I, I just, Rob, do you see a situation where we're going to avoid that eight and a half foot tide on Friday on top of the rain? Cause I'm not seeing it right now. Yeah, I'm hoping so. And also the tide tomorrow morning about 11 o'clock is also going to be potentially a moderate to maybe a major flooding situation. So uh, I know those numbers seem so crazy. You're looking back at Matthew and Irma and some of the other high numbers that we've had here. But I'm hoping not, Jared, because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot of folks that are on pins and needles right now knowing you've got the rainfall coming. And if you add, you know, tidal water to that, uh, then obviously there's going to be some inundation. A storm surge is probably, as you guys know, one of the hardest uh, concepts to explain to viewers because it's it's changed over the years, the, the way it's calculated. So uh, it's hard for people to imagine above ground level. What does that mean? They don't know their elevation. So it's one of those things where it's hard to explain. But, you know, uh, it can be very devastating to many folks here along the coast who are barely above sea level and have, have spent a lot of money to go to the beach and live at the beach and enjoy everything the beach has to offer except when it comes to something like this. Yeah. And, you know, I worry too, because it's been a while since we've had a storm like this. We've gone a couple years without, you know, without a major tropical threat here uh, in the low country. And I just, you know, I, I, I can't shake the fact of how much has been built since then. I had a lot of people asking me, it's like, uh, I'm new here. D does it flood? And it's right. like, this is brand new construction. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's going to be, you know, it, it's, I think we're going to learn some things and hopefully nothing too bad. Uh, cause it was, uh, yeah, it, it, I just, uh, it, these, these always worry me, you know, they, they always worry me. yeah, me too. You know, I, I've been here 35 years and there are so many places that flood now that I don't remember ever flooding. And when you look around, you realize there's a shopping center here and a shopping center here and a, a subdivision here. And so you've cleared a lot of trees, a way for water to evacuate and be soaked up and replaced it with asphalt and, and uh, cement. So uh, that's probably another discussion, but obviously it's progress, it's development. 
but unfortunately, there's a, a bad side to that. And we've seen that with a lot of flooding here in recent years in places, I think, Jared, that didn't usually flood before, places like Shadow Moss and, and some other areas, Church Creek. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I've said that uh, landmark quite a bit here in recent years, and I don't ever remember saying it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be one of the gauges that we'll be keeping a very close eye on, too. I mean, that Crosstown Church, I mean, it flooded several times during the, uh, yeah. you know, in, in that stretch between 2015 and 2020, uh, where we had several, um, you know, tropical and non-tropical events there. Um, Rob, you know, I, I it's it, it was interesting looking at that uh, at that NAM model and, and you know, and a cu- couple of the other higher resolution members. And, and, and I know that that's not typically, you know typically tr- try not to use that for tropical cyclones, but uh, I, what, what's your read on the potential that this may continue to stay off the ocean even a little bit longer and potentially uh, make landfall north of here? Yeah, I, I think that's uh, certainly those cards are on the table. Um, I uh, have seen so many storms and uh, that looked like they were heading our way. And all of a sudden, every single update, as it got closer, it started jogging a little more north, a little more north and a little more north. And, uh, back in the mid-90s, uh, not to make light of it, but our battle cry here in South Carolina was thank God for North Carolina because uh, because they stick out. They were getting a lot of those storms, the Frans and the Berthas, uh, back in the mid-90s that were missing us, but at one time looked like they were going to hit us. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think those cards are on the table. I'm not discounting that. I think right now we've got to kind of play because the timeline is really crunched here got to play as if we're looking for us the worst case scenario and hoping for the best and of course the best for everybody would be for this thing to keep on moving offshore i don't think that's going to happen that high pressure is going to kind of pinch it close to the coast the question is who gets it and who gets pinched uh, is it going to be us is it going to be north carolina myrtle beach hilton head savannah possibly so we'll have to wait and see i think i'll be really interested to see tomorrow when it comes off florida what it looks like and i think then we'll have a much better idea yeah, absolutely. Rob, where can folks watch you in the Charleston area? Well, I'm on uh, WCBD TV. We're channel two. Uh, we do. In fact, I'll leave here and go get ready for our 10 o'clock newscast on the CW. We have a lot of folks saying, I can't stay up till 11. And I say, well, we do at 10 o'clock on the CW. And they're like, oh, you do. So you can watch us there. You can watch us on channel two. Rob Storm Team Two is my Facebook page and try to keep that as updated as I possibly can. And um, and I follow you guys too. So you can, you can kind of navigate through the Carolina weather group and find me as well. But I, I appreciate you guys, what you do, uh, informing everybody in the Carolinas. Uh, it's, it's, it's just amazing work. And, and I think people really enjoy getting a chance to see other parts of the Carolinas and how the weather works there. Yep. Thank you so much, Rob. Always good to talk to you. Always good to see you. Uh, hopefully next time under better circumstances, uh, James, if you want to uh, jump in, I know we're going to talk to, uh, yep. so, so now, uh, we have got, uh, Eric Davis, this is Eric Davis, watching yeah. from Wilmington, Eric, uh, <laughs> your station there, W E C T. I, we were just talking to Rob about the possibility. Yeah. If you, if you buy in on the NAM solution that this might spend <laughs> more time over the water and make landfall closer to you guys, I guess I'm curious to know in your personal forecast, where do you put those odds and what changes would there be to the impacts one way or the other well you certainly can't can't write off the possibility i would probably favor the south carolina solution that seems to be more where the hurricane center is going so i I tend to i tend to believe in them a little bit more but again you can't completely write off that scenario and and of course earlier today uh our coastline was put under a tropical storm warning so basically from surf city 
southward uh, now uh, tropical storm warning in effect. So there is at least a possibility we could see a little more wind, a little more surge uh, than what we're than what we were anticipating. Uh, no doubt that that is that that is certainly on the table potentially. But I still think the primary impact that we're going to have to worry about here in southeastern North Carolina with this system, especially the track uh, from the Hurricane Center, is probably going to be heavy rain. I think that's going to be a given. We're probably looking, uh, on average, most spots, three, five inches of rain. Some areas will probably, isolated areas will pick up a little bit more. So I'm most concerned about the flooding aspect with this system. And also being on the east side of the storm, we're going to have to watch out for the possibility, especially if we get little bit of uh, instability in here. We're going to have to worry about the possibility of those rotating thunderstorms, a tornado threat, something we can't really write off since we're going to most likely be on the east side of this particular storm. I'm wondering from a local perspective, Eric, like we, we know Charleston is infamous for flooding its downtown. What local mm -hmm. knowledge, what are you watching most carefully that in your hometown here could be the problem spot? Um, obviously, when you're talking about uh, flooding uh, here in Wilmington, the uh, New Center Drive is always is always a, a, a potential area. Carolina Beach, uh, another area that that tends to be real prone to flooding. So those those will be some of the probably the first areas I'll be watching uh, just just from uh, working here a very long time. Uh, and and I, I again I think flooding is the primary thing. We certainly can't write, write off some of the other impacts, but I think it's really water and flooding is primarily what I'm going to be watching for with this particular system. Obviously, we'll have to keep our eye. Obviously, the, the, this storm has had a history of some uh, surprises. Obviously, as, as mentioned, you know, it did it did ramp up. I remember it was 120 mile per hour at 11 o'clock last night, and I get up this morning, and holy moly, it's 155 mile per hour right around the edge of Category 5. So, again, you, you certainly can't ride off a few curveballs with this one. There's no doubt about that. I'm going to bring in Scotty Powell, Carolina yeah. Weather Group panelist in the foothills of North Carolina. Scotty. <laughs> Yeah, Eric, you were talking about earlier, um, you know, last night in the Wilmington area. I was watching it, but it uh, looked like a track more inland. Uh, but now you're you're kind of on that dirty side, we say. Uh, and we know Wilmington, uh, down to the Myrtle Beach area, is uh, kind of infamous for these tropical tornadoes that sometimes spin up. Looks mm -hmm. like with the stalled front, uh, you guys are a little bit more in the warm, moist, unstable area yes. than, say, back into Charlotte, back into Raleigh. Exactly. Uh, so that that's a concern and it looks like it could be an overnight concern. So not only do we have tropical yeah. tornadoes, but they could be occurring at night. That that's what uh, that that could yeah. be uh, could could be concerning. Yeah, one of our in-house models actually showed even the potential of a little bit of that warmer air getting in even in the even in the afternoon hours. I think the window may open up in the afternoon potentially even for for a few rotating thunderstorms and, and as you said, likely continuing to the evening hours. On the plus side, uh, one thing we tend to do here at uh, WECT and the uh, First Alert Weather Team is we we try to highlight uh, first alert action days that kind of allows our viewers to really get a sense of where the worst the weather is right now we've highlighted both friday and saturday as first alert action days have to say we're, we're kind of going to have to revisit maybe saturday tomorrow because maybe some of the worst of the impacts are probably going to be winding down as we head into saturday morning especially if we if we see that track more into uh, south carolina which is what the hurricane center is thinking but no doubt about it friday absolutely first alert action day we've got high rain chances lots of you know precipitation and of course uh that that tornado risk as you said because we are on that east side most likely yeah the, you mentioned saturday uh saturday latest models kind of showing that things could kind of clear up down your way so uh mm -hmm. looks like friday definitely could be that one day to watch but as uh if anybody has any plans to be into the wilmington area saturday and sunday it may not be as bad as once thought 
True, but of course, obviously, the the ocean is not going to be your friend. Obviously, I, I think we're going to have to encourage people again stay out of the ocean. A rip current risk is likely to continue to be elevated. There is going to be some high storm, and we may see, depending on the track, it's not impossible to have a little bit of storm surge. I don't think it's going to be as much of a problem, most likely, uh, compared to uh, South Carolina, unless it takes that, as you said, that that that, that unlikely track to the north. But uh, right now, Hurricane Center is not buying it. I mean, again, we're we're going to keep that in the back of our mind, but we don't think that that is the most likely scenario at this point. Sounds good. Well, Eric, how uh, can follow, folks follow you uh, in the Wilmington area, uh, well, social media and on TV? Yeah, of course, I've got my Twitter account, Eric Davis, W-E-C-T. You can also follow me, Facebook meteorologist, uh, Eric Davis. Uh, you can also follow our other meteorologists. Uh, we've got uh, Chief Meteorologist Gannon Medwick. Uh, follow him on Twitter. We've got uh, Gabe Ross and, of course, uh, Claire Fry. I encourage you to follow all of us. Um, and, of course, uh, you can join us. I think we were talking about the TV. Uh, we'll be on uh, WECT News at 11. We also have the Fox affiliate, uh, WSFX, uh, or Fox Wilmington, will be on with the newscast at 10 o'clock. So we encourage you to get an update there as well. Well, thank you, Eric, for your time. We uh, wish you guys all the best down there in Wilmington. And stay dry. And uh, hopefully next time we talk, it's under some better circumstances. <laughs> at least it's not the worst right now. But, yes. That's right. <laughs> thank you, Eric. Have a great thank evening. You. you too. And so, Chrissy, I mean, hey, Chris, Scotty. how are you? you I'm doing good. Fine? How are you? You thought you were getting away from this tropical mess, didn't you? Leaving Myrtle Beach, <laughs> moving up to the South Carolina. <laughs> this, is, this is my first tropical system in uh, 10 years where I haven't been on the coast. So uh, it's definitely been a little different this time around, uh, looking at what we're going on up here in the upstate versus, of course, uh, forecasting for the coast. As you just heard from Rob and Eric, uh, of course, the water is always a big deal down there. So it's a, it's a little different now. Uh, but you know that, Scotty, being up here in the upstate as well. Yeah, this is uh, dif different. We don't have to worry about the storm surge up here. Uh, sometimes the wind, yeah. sometimes not the wind. But this event looks like for the area that you guys cover there in Greenville, Spartanburg, up to Asheville, and even into the western part of North Carolina, it's going to be the rain component. And it looks like we could see some pretty uh, hefty rainfall totals in, in some of the areas. So what is the latest that, uh, that you guys are watching? Yeah, absolutely. We're looking at, for most of us, are probably looking at about four to six inches. Uh, we may see some slightly lower rainfall totals a little further in uh, to the west, uh, closer to the Tennessee border. You might get more in that uh, two to four inch range. But then there's also this uh, kind of area that we're highlighting that there's a possibility we could be getting uh, upwards of that, upwards of that six uh, inches there. Uh, and that's going to be more so into the mountains. Uh, that's going to be up towards the Tryon area of uh, North Carolina, uh, kind of this little strip there up in the mountains that we're looking at some of those higher rainfall totals uh, to pass over. And um, that's, as you said, Scotty, that's really the one big thing that we're kind of looking at. Although we are looking at maybe some of those tropical storm force winds, depending on how well this storm kind of regenerates itself once it gets out over the Atlantic. Uh, once it makes landfall again, where exactly does that center track in relation to us could really dictate whether or not we're 
talking some tropical winds, especially uh, during the day on Friday, we could be looking at maybe some of those 35 to even maybe as high as 40 mile per hour wind gusts. We're talking more in the gusty range rather than sustained winds. Uh, but that's certainly something that we're looking at, especially for the upstate. Uh, once you get in the mountains, I think the winds are going to start to die down a little bit. But as you said, yeah, it looks like the rain is going to be our biggest issue up in the mountains. And, um, you know, we talk about last year being so quiet for the Carolinas where we didn't have a single landfalling hurricane or tropical system in South Carolina, of course. Uh, you know, Scotty, you and I saw each other at Ed's big pizza party and yeah. Petrowski through that big pizza party. Um, but what uh, what we kind of have to remember is that like these inland impacts can can play a big role because uh, here it, it was the mountains of North Carolina that were impacted by tropical storm Fred last year, um, and we actually had uh, several deaths reported in the mountains of North Carolina because of the flooding tropical system. So a lot of times we look at this and we say, oh, it's just going to rain for the inland areas. Uh, but when you get a significant amount of rain, that certainly does play a role in, in, our, in our concern level uh, in terms of those impacts there. Uh, I will say we have been very dry. Um, so we are, we are definitely in need of some beneficial rain. I just don't know that six inches in about a day and a half is exactly what we're looking for. That might be a little much for us. It seems like, and I know we're going to have Brad on, Brad Panovich on here in a minute, and he could probably relate to this. It seems like when the Carolinas kind of get in that drought, it takes a tropical system to get us out. And it just seems like year <laughs> after year, that, that's how we get out of these droughts is we get these big tropical systems moving in. One other thing, Chrissy, that yeah. I, I think you all will be watching is the concern for landslides, and, and especially in the mountainous areas. Uh, those are possible as well. So um, I'm, I'm sure... Sure. Uh, you guys are keeping your eye on that and your your head to the ground and, and li listening for those reports coming out, especially out of your mountain counties. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we don't really have to go too far back, actually, to see uh, when we're talking about this four to six inch range for some of these mountain areas. Just several weeks ago, uh, we had some pretty heavy rains across the area. It wasn't even necessarily tropically driven that was bringing in those rains, but we had several reports of flooding, especially in those higher elevations where it doesn't take a whole a lot for those creeks to really start to overturn their banks and and get up and and then all of a sudden you start to see these flooding reports uh, coming out of the mountains specifically and that was just a, um, about three weeks ago that we had some of that going three four weeks ago that we had some of that that flooding that was non tropical related so we're talking very similar rainfall totals in some of these areas for this weekend um, specifically I think the Friday is going to be our high impact day and into Saturday morning of course I know all the Clemson fans are watching very carefully Saturday morning college game day is supposed to be here in Clemson um, so we'll see if, the, if it gets kind of pulled off but I do think that Friday into Saturday morning is probably going to be our high impact time heavy rains across the area it's it's good that you mentioned that we have our little internal chat here and Jared was wanting to make sure we mentioned the <laughs> Clemson NC State game it's a primetime game like you said ESPN game day going to be there what does it look like for the actual game? Do you think uh, it looks like maybe we could kind of get some uh, some at least the heavier rain out of here by, by kickoff? Yeah, absolutely. That's I, I totally agree with that, Scotty. I think that by the time we get into the afternoon, this is going to be a little more uh, hit and miss with the rain. Uh, the, the big question will be is damage is done before we get there? 
how wet is that field. Um, but yeah, I think I think by the time we get into the afternoon, at least the rain will have started to lighten up. The heaviest of it will be behind us. Uh, the winds will be dying down. So I think that come game time, we're in a much better position. It'll just be a big question of uh, what did the the rain that we've already gotten kind of done to the field, unfortunately, for those uh, for those football players. And of course, for the tailgaters out there, excited uh, to be out there on Saturday morning. Not going to be the nicest of days for sure. And, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but I believe you're a Carolina fan, right? South Carolina. I am. I am a yeah, Carolina so, fan, but I, I'm, so, I'm doing my best to uh, not show my bias. <laughs> so are you, I, I'm assuming that you're pulling for Ed Piotrowski's NC State Wolfpack then Saturday night. <laughs> that uh, Yes, Ed and I are definitely <laughs> on the same page this week. <laughs> All right. Well, Chrissy, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, how can uh, we follow you on social media and on TV? Yeah, well, I, obviously I'm at home, unlike the the gentleman before me uh, there at work tonight, but I'm on my day off because I work weekends. Um, so I'm at Fox Carolina uh, up here, as you said, in the Western Carolinas, uh, part of Northeast Georgia as well, we cover. Um, and I work specifically Saturday and Sunday nights. Uh, and then I'm kind of in, in flux during the rest of the week. Uh, most of the time I'm there Monday, Tuesday, and Friday helping out uh, my chief, Kendra, uh, getting you the weather in the evenings. Um, on social media, Chrissy Kohler on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, I'm in both places. You can hit me up anytime, any place. All right, my friend, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck down there. Stay dry and uh, we'll be in talk. We'll talk soon. You guys too. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you, Chrissy. James, back to you. Thank you very much. Uh, we will have a live interview coming up from the eye of Ian as it makes its way across Florida coming up in a few moments with our own Dan Whitaker. Uh, we're going to welcome in from Columbia, Frank Strait, who will be joining us for our ongoing conversation tonight. And next up on our uh, merry-go-round is Chief Meteorologist Brad Panovich from WCNC in Charlotte. And Brad, before I let you get to your forecast and your impacts we had a question on youtube that i thought you might be able to help us with because i know there's at least one answer in the charlotte area, so i'm teeing you up for this one okay. uh, holly from the charleston area wants to know if she were to voluntarily evacuate from the charleston area where could she potentially go further inland knowing that places south or places to her north along the 95 corridor may not be an option Ooh, that's a good one. Um, it just depends on if you want rainy weather or sunny weather. <laughs> um, I would say come to Charlotte because I think we'll be okay, but it's not going to be the greatest Friday or Saturday. Um, I, the other option would probably be to go west. Um, I would say go into uh, Georgia, maybe head over towards Atlanta or Augusta might be a good place to go. Um, but yeah, I, I do think if I were going to evacuate Charleston, just get inland. You know, we have a saying I used to use all the time from my days in New Orleans was, you know, you run from the water, you hide from the wind. If you can get away from the water, um, even if the weather's not great, that's where you want to be. And then you can just hunker down from the wind inside a good sturdy structure. So, um, just getting far enough away from the coast that the storm surge isn't an issue is probably all you need to do. And sometimes that could just be going to the north side of Charleston and not really worrying about heading all the way to the upstate or somewhere else. The other thing I was thinking, and I don't know if Holly has a camper, so this may or may not be an option, but we know the Charlotte Motor Speedway has opened its yes. uh, its campgrounds to folks who are looking to evacuate. Uh, so I know that was uh, at least one option. Uh, so thank and, you for that answer. And Atlanta Motor Speedway too, so two. So you've got two options. You can go yeah. west or north from, from Charleston. Uh, Brad, it's it's good to see you. Unfortunately, we're talking about uh, a now hurricane. 
uh, expected to be a tropical storm by the time it comes landfall. What are the impacts we can expect to see in the Charlotte area? And I want to preface for folks that, as uh, Brad will tell you, the Charlotte television viewing area ranges all the way from Boone and Blowing Rock in the mountains all the way through yeah. Charlotte down into portions of the Piedmont and the Sandhills. So Brad's answer is going to be fairly wide ranging here. Yeah, we cover just about every, we could see just about everything. I mean, parts of our viewing area, especially um, South Carolina, the Sandhills, I'm getting a little more concerned about the wind threat, to be honest with you. Um, you know, if you were to ask me 24, 36 hours ago, I said rain, rain, rain is our biggest issue. But um, as I just heard you guys discuss the kind of faster movement of this system and maybe the dry slot getting us on Saturday might really cut down on our totals. And that faster movement actually means that probably the stronger winds could bring, come in much farther inland. So I do think the areas south and east 85 wind could be a big issue um, coupled with the rain. And then in the mountains and foothills, um, that's always the, the, the one tough spot because it doesn't take a ton of water or rain there to cause uh, flash flooding and landslides just because of the topography. It only takes a couple hours of a good band to set up there and to cause some serious issues. So from the mountains, it's really gonna be a flash flood landslide kind of threat. And then as you go down to the Piedmont, it becomes more of a wind and, uh, and rain threat as we go into Friday and early Saturday. Though I do think late Saturday, things are gonna improve rather dramatically. That dry slot looks like it's really gonna take hold and maybe get us back to more just isolated showers or drizzle for late Saturday into Sunday. I want to bring Frank into this conversation as well. Frank Strait, who's watching this uh, from Columbia, watching this from much of South Carolina. Uh, Frank, uh, anything you want to piggyback off of what Brad just said with your notion of watching that I-77 corridor through South Carolina? Uh, I agree with Brad on the wind. I, I think that's going to be a, a bigger problem inland than the, we thought earlier. Uh, the uh, Weather Service uh, in uh, Columbia and actually a lot of South Carolina now has uh, issued uh, inland tropical storm warnings. Uh, I don't think that's the case in the upstate yet, not last I checked, but uh, most of the rest of the state was under an inland tropical storm warning uh, because of the concern for wind. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if we saw uh, gusts in, in the 50 to 60 mile an hour range around here. Uh, in, in Columbia, for example, and uh, perhaps some of those 50 mile an hour gusts even get up into uh, the Catawba River area, Yorkchester and Lancaster counties uh, that might extend uh, back into the central Savannah River area, too. So uh, I am concerned about the uh, wind and uh, the, the faster movement is part of it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely concerned about that. And I think it could be a real problem uh, that in addition to the rain, which is going to be substantial here in South Carolina, too. Uh, yes, yeah, so you mentioned the river, the Catawba amongst them, uh, all of the water from the mountains from the Charlotte area are going to then flow down into South Carolina. And we'll be dealing with that runoff. I'm going to come back around uh, to that notion in a moment. Uh, Brad was mentioning the heavy rain and the winds. Brad, we've got some big events in Charlotte this weekend. Charlotte FC and Panthers come to mind. Uh, we've already had the Heart Walk and Taste of Charlotte reschedule. What type of impacts can we expect to see if people are trying to plan their weekends? Well, you know, Scotty and I will, will tell you a lot. A lot of these uh, outdoor events, these temporary structures are the ones that get you. The stages, the tents, um, they you don't need severe winds to have damage to those type of structures. So a lot of the stages for like these concerts and these tents they set up for like Taste of Charlotte and other outdoor events, uh, most of them only rated to about 30 miles an hour or less. <laughs> so you get a 30 mile an hour gust or higher, you've got some real issues and they will start shutting things down. Um, because of those winds and then you couple the wind and rain threat 
Um, you know, the winds by themselves are pretty strong, probably not going to bring down a ton of trees, but you get some rain to saturate the soil. Um, we haven't had our leaves come off the trees yet. So there's still a lot of surface area for those trees to grab that, that, that wind load. And you're going to get some trees to come down. I do think the river flooding probably will be the least of our issues because it's been so dry. Um, I'm just looking at some of the lake levels. There's some capacity. Duke does a really fine job uh, ahead of these systems of clearing water out of the system to make room. Um, they do that for a couple of reasons. One, they want to get more water in there, but they like to generate some power as well, which is great for them. So I think uh, we're going to be okay there. It's really going to come down to flash flooding and uh, that, that, that wind and rain combined to cause some maybe some power outages. But yeah, for outdoor events, lightning's not an issue. So like Charlotte FC, Panthers game, they, David Tepper put in that beautiful field turf for a reason. <laughs> it's going to hold up just fine in the rain. Uh, those events will go on as scheduled. It takes a lot to move a professional uh, sporting event, unless you're in Tampa, like where they moved the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game to Minnesota. Um, it's it's hard to do do that. The bigger reason I uh, saw Sports Radio today talking about this, you know, some of these games across the Carolinas, the weather might not be the biggest issue. Um, it might be resources being drawn away from those events to go help in other parts of the state or even down in Florida. So um, I've seen that before where like first responders need to be down in the flood prone areas of Florida or other locations near the coast. And so they can't use them for security purposes at games. And so if you draw resources away from the games, they could be canceled. Some, sometimes you get a lot of indirect impacts from the weather that you don't think about. And that happens quite a bit. Um, the cancellations of schools in South Carolina for 30 mile hour winds, the buses there, they're not, there's a rule in South Carolina, the buses cannot be on the road if the winds are above 30 miles per hour. It's something about the rating on them. They put out a memo in 2016 about this. So um, right away today, when I saw some of the schools going virtual and people like, well, what do you mean they're going virtual? Well, the buses can't be on the road above 30 miles an hour. So it's a really weird rule, but it's one of those things that you know, if you're around here locally, it happens quite a bit. That is a very interesting rule uh frank i believe you have a question and a comment you want to bring on in here in the forecast yeah i was curious what you think brett about the uh, tornado risk uh, i was thinking it probably doesn't get as far west as charlotte but it wouldn't surprise me if it was a little farther west than uh, what the spc outlook is showing just curious what you're thinking about that yeah initially i didn't think they would be anywhere near us i thought it would all be east of 95 but the faster movement you might pull in that warm air the coastal front might make it a little bit closer um, I keep looking at some of the STP values and there's a couple spots where the kind of the wedge boundary almost gets pushed back to the West a little bit. Um, there's definitely a ton of shear. Um, the problem is it's surface-based instability. If we get any breaks, that dry slot might actually on Saturday might make things a little more interesting. Um, we get some yeah. sunshine out. Um, you might get a little spin up here and there, especially with a, a decaying tropical system. But I think it's our lowest threat right now. But that's one of those things that'll catch you off guard because the day of you could see the sun pop out or the warm air get tugged back to the west far enough. And all of a sudden you're looking at a, a tropical uh, spin up because it takes it's like QLCS tornadoes. Those tornadoes, it takes such little yeah. to spin those up. Uh, these cloud bases, you're going to see they're going to be hugging the ground. So if you get rotation in the mid levels, it's pretty much at the surface already. It doesn't take much to spin it up. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking too, was, was looking at the surface-based instability. I thought, well, there's obviously going to be plenty of shear. So the question <laughs> is, uh, are we going to get the uh, surface-based instability? And uh, it wouldn't take much, like like you said, with the uh, 
with the uh, uh, cloud bases almost at the, at the ground and uh, you know, all the shear in place, it's, it's a, uh, high cape, I mean, high uh, sheer low cape situation, really. Yeah, that's like that's like North Carolina severe weather in a nutshell. <laughs> high sheer low cape. It seems right. like every event is like that for us. <laughs> Brad, what are in a moment we're going to hear from from Chris Mulcahy of WCNC, who today had his Weather IQ, the educational series uh, about um, the the dirty side of of a hurricane. What are some of the things that people can do tonight? tomorrow ahead of these impacts to prepare their home and their neighborhood? That's a great question. I think the first thing I would do is start taking down the flags in your yard or out in your front porch, get all the, the furniture. If you got a hammock or a swing, um, if you have one of those, you know, kids got the uh, trampolines, you got to anchor all that stuff. That stuff's going to become airborne. Cause what happens is, you know, it, the, the damage isn't often done by the wind. It's what the wind picks up and throws at your house or your car <laughs> that ends up causing right. the damage. So um, you, you get something picked up and all of a sudden a lawn chair gets thrown into your sliding glass door and it breaks the sliding glass door. So um, those type of things, secure those tonight and make sure everything is uh, not going to be flying debris into your property or someone else's property. The other thing, um, thank goodness we don't have a lot of leaves off the trees right now. That's bad for the wind, but it's good for the rain. I would normally say clean out your storm drains so they're not clogged up because, um, you know, you may not live in a floodplain, but I, I guarantee you have a storm drain near your house. And all it takes is for one of those to get clogged up and you could have a huge flood issue on your property. So clean out those downspouts, make sure they're all clear, make sure water can get away from your foundation and just uh, just be ready for some wind and rain um, that's going to blow stuff around. So if you've got parts of your house that, you know, might might not be covered, but can get wet because of windblown rain. Um, you got to make sure that those are all sealed up as well. So make sure you don't get water into your, into your house. Uh, those are the main things I would do probably tonight and tomorrow um, before, before the rain gets in here because the wind will come first and then the rain will follow. Brad, I have one question. I have one question, not directly to the Carolinas, but I know you've been talking about it on social media. Um, it, it's very early in, in Hurricane Ian, but it looks like storm surge was a major uh, problem in Southwest Florida. Can you kind of go into, I know you did it on social media, but for those who are watching and listening tonight, why was the storm surge so bad down in Southwest Florida with this event? Well, two things. One is the angle of approach. Uh, that part of Florida, if you get a Southwest to Northeast moving storm, it's like the perfect setup to drive water into all those bays, especially around Naples and the Fort Myers area. And then you had a rapidly intensifying hurricane at landfall which is just like the worst combination. Um, what was interesting was the storm was loosely organized farther out, but I think what people often forget is a weak storm from a wind standpoint isn't necessarily uh, gonna deter storm surge because if you have a broad circulation, it can drive a lot of water towards the coast. And if it continues to intensify, that water just builds and builds and builds. And then on top of all this, we had heavy rain ahead of the system. You remember that? If you look at the satellite radar loop, there's this big jet of clouds and rain that extended to the northeast along the old front. Well, that rain fell over Florida even the day before and yesterday and today. And that water falls over the main parts of Florida. And that water wants to flow back out into the Gulf of Mexico downriver. Well, the problem is it's running into this surge of water from the wind coming upriver. And the water has nowhere to go. It just starts spilling over all these canals, bayous, um, and goes everywhere. Uh, some of the, you know, I'm glad you asked this question because some of the surge I'm seeing down there is some of the worst urban surge I've seen in a long time. It reminds me a lot of 
Katrina, but that was a levee breach. This is straight up surge coming into highly populated areas. Um, and I think a lot of folks were caught off guard. They just didn't realize the water could ever get that high. And my concern for that area is that's, that's uh, and you probably all know friends or family, that's a big retirement area in Southwest Florida. There's a lot of older people living down there um, that just aren't able to deal with some of this weather. So I really get concerned when I see that amount of water in a populated area with a, with a very at-risk population. So I think as, as the day goes on tomorrow, we're going to hear a lot of stories and we're going to get pictures and videos that are probably going to blow people's minds because the cell service is down, power is down, and a lot of this information just isn't getting out tonight. But just looking at what I've seen so far, it looks pretty bad down there. I will second the cell phone service being down. I teased a few moments ago we were going to have a phone call from Dan Whitaker. Uh, none of his calls are going through right now. We, we were going to try to do a plain old phone call, and we can't even get that to go on through. He's still trying. We'll see if we can get him in yeah. uh, some point this hour. Um, text message is the best thing to do in this stage because, you know, the text message for anyone who doesn't understand how your cell phone works, the ping that your phone does to find a tower is basically the amount of information a text message contains. So if you can ping a tower, you don't necessarily have to have a full signal. You can send a text message. Uh, during Katrina, that was one of the things I remember. You could not receive or make a phone call, but you could always send text messages because you could still ping those towers. And even though the towers might be down or the power's out, they've got about a 36 to 48 hour battery backup. And even laying flat on the ground, we were able to use cell phone towers until those batteries went out. Let me ask you this, Brad, because I, I know the answer will be watch TV as long as you can or stream on your phone as long as you can. But if you're in a situation where you don't have power, or you have very limited oh, yeah. internet, how can you still get reliable weather information? Uh, first of all, don't get on social media. I know it's it's hard. You're looking for information. It's just eating up your battery on your phone. Put it in low power mode. But one of the things, I, and I tweeted this today, and I was surprised at my people to know, at least in every iPhone, and I know pretty much every Android device, there is a barometer in your phone. And you're probably saying, why is there a barometer in your phone? Well, a barometer in your phone helps you figure out the location of your phone in comparison to, to sea level. Um, that's a really important feature for locating your phone for GPS and for compass and for navigation. But it's a great tool in weather. You can download apps that will let you access not the weather from a local station or the Internet, from the actual barometer inside your phone. You don't need cell service to do this. You can access the barometer in your phone. And one thing you can learn, even if you have no information, you can't access the outside world, but you got your phone and some battery life. If the barometer is going up, the storm is moving away from you. If the barometer is going down, um, it's moving towards you. So it, it does give you some limited information that you can actually use when you don't have any cell service. And it's a really great feature um, on most people's phones that they don't even know they have access to. You just got to find an app. And I use a free app. It's just called Barometer. I know it's really great marketing, but um, <laughs> it, it just lets you see the barometer from your phone. And it's a really cool thing you can do in a pinch when you don't have cell service and you have limited power. Uh, in a moment, we're going to get to that uh, explainer from uh, Chris Mulcahy. Uh, but let me ask you this, uh, Brad, as I was just kind of looking at the satellite picture, looking at where Ian is at this hour. Artemis, you think they made the right call? Oh, man. I can't believe they were in debating not making that call. <laughs> right? The NASA, the NASA guy kind of bad-mouthing forecasters like that. Oh, you don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, this it is the thing we haven't talked about, and I'm sure you guys will. This was an extremely well-forecasted storm. 
I went back today and looked at advisory number one. If you get a chance, look at advisory, the first advisory for TD9. And the last, the, the five-day point on the map where it had landfall as a major hurricane was literally where it made landfall today on advisory number 24. So it is stunning. I think we get caught up the information age. We kind of him and haul about these subtle little shifts along the track, but the long range forecast and all along the way was spot on. Even the rapid intensification was forecasted when this was south of Cuba, they were forecasting rapid intensification um, and it came to be. So um, really well forecasted storm. And the fact that the NASA waited so long for that very expensive rocket to move, by the way, um, was probably something they should have done a while ago. I think they did. I think it was like a firework that they wanted to set off so bad <laughs> that they didn't want to pull it back into the garage. But this this was a good call by NASA. <laughs> uh, Jared has found that. Look at that. Yeah, I I I was actually looking at I was actually looking at some of these today. Um, just you know, just for comparison's sake, and I had the page up, and yeah, I mean that's, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. The goal is to keep it in the cone. They literally had the point on the map, which is amazing, and, yeah, and, they, and that's really for for the people watching. The goal in this, and people will say, oh, it's shifting left or right. Remember, it's the cone anywhere in or on the edge of the cone. If it's still in there with the next track, that's really not a big change. That's actually what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to keep it. In the, in the cone, the way I always look at this is like, I love playing golf and you want to keep it in the fairway. And so the goal is not to try to get a hole in one on a par five, but keep the forecast in the fairway in the long range. And they didn't even do that. They almost got a hole in one on a par five. I mean, they, yeah. it's amazing. Uh, that, put it, the, here's, here's the first one. Let's drop yeah. a whole depression nine. Here's today's latest, right? So I it's mean, like right there. It's crazy. Yeah, that's the one and then thing. There's um, what came in between. <laughs> I, yeah, I well, about, that's the problem, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think about you know the 1900 uh, hurricane in Galveston. I always talk to people about this, like how good forecasting is in 1900. I know that's a long time ago, but there were literally folks on the beach having a good time with a Category Four hurricane offshore and had no idea it was there. And now in 2022, we're forecasting the exact point on the map that a major hurricane is you know, a week ahead of time. It's like unbelievable the skill that we have as forecasters now. And it's just, it's taken for granted way too much. And you know, what's crazy is that this is not the first time they have done something like this either. Yeah. I I, I want to say, I want to say that they had Florence pegged within like two kilometers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, and think about it in the future, we're going to go from a five day cone to a seven day cone. Um, so and people go, why do we go seven days in the future? Because the five-day cone is so much better than the three-day cone. Guess what's going to happen in a couple of years? Our seven-day cone is going to be as good as the five. So it, this is just the progress that we're making. And um, it, it is really stunning. And the thing that it makes hurricane forecasting so amazing to me is you're dealing with a lot less data points. Without the hurricane hunters and with a, a storm over an ocean, you don't have constant Doppler radar and upper air data and surface data because it's over open ocean. So the fact that we're able to forecast these so well over open ocean is pretty amazing to me. Uh, we will let folks know who are watching live with us on this Wednesday night. We're going to take some of your questions. So if you've been putting the questions into the comment box on Facebook or YouTube during the course of the hour or have been waiting to, now is the time. Uh, go ahead and do that. We're going to get to some of your questions in just a moment. Brad, before we forget, how can people watch you and get your updates in the Charlotte area this week? 
Okay, so any social media on everything, including TikTok, WX Brad, um, Weather Brad is where you can find me. Our YouTube uh, channel is great, uh, Weather IQ. Um, I, I, I'm doing a vlog twice a day in the morning and an evening um, on the setup and kind of the forecast discussion. And obviously, if you're in the Charlotte area, you can watch me on air on WCNC. But remember, you can download our app or watch me online as well. Um, you don't have to live in our viewing area anymore to watch. You can just you can watch anywhere. So between social media apps, the website, and our streaming services, there really is a any way that you feel comfortable watching or getting information. We have the ability to give it to you, and I post a ton of content online. So um, if you go to my Twitter feed or my Facebook page, you'll find plenty of it there. But I've been doing a lot of TikToks with this storm, and they've been very successful because um, I think that there's an audience out there. Um, that you, they get a lot of their information on TikTok, and it's been pretty amazing to see some of the interactions I've had on there for people in Florida that are don't have information, and I'm able to post there and, and get some stuff across. So um, we're trying everything. The, the goal in these events is, you know, why do we post on all these different platforms? Because you're trying to get the information to as many people as possible um, in these big, uh, severe weather, high-impact events like this. Absolutely. Appreciate that, Brad. Uh, you're welcome to stick around. Uh, we'll answer some of those uh, live comments here in a moment. Uh, you mentioned Weather IQ. Chris Mulcahy had his Weather IQ today on that dirty side of the store. Yes. Hurricanes can devastate coastal areas with epic winds, dangerous storm surge, and even spawn multiple tornadoes. But one side of the storm is worse than any other. It's called the dirty part of the storm. Let's raise that Weather IQ. Hurricanes rotate like this, counterclockwise, and when that rotation of the storm matches with the direction that it's moving, it enhances the winds. For example, a hurricane producing 100 mile per hour winds moving north at 20 miles per hour would have a max wind speed of 120 miles per hour on the right side since you add those numbers together. But on the left side, the winds are fighting against its forward push. So the forward speed is subtracted, making the total winds 80 miles per hour. That's a big difference. All sides of a hurricane or tropical storm are dangerous, but the strongest side of a hurricane is the right side based on the direction it's moving, AKA the dirty side. We call this the dirty side because this is where the worst weather occurs. This is also the part of the hurricane that has the worst storm surge along the coast, among other things. Using Hurricane Ian as an example, the worst storm surge would occur here, where the counterclockwise winds are pushing water onshore. The faster the storm is blowing and moving, the higher the storm surge. The dirty side also has the most moisture, leading to the heaviest rainfall rates, and has the most wind shear, which makes tornadoes and water spots more likely, especially in that right front quadrant. With WCNC Charlotte, I'm meteorologist Chris Mulcahy. Thanks to WCNC Charlotte and Chris Mulcahy for letting us share that story with you. As Brad mentioned, you can find more stories like that on the WCNC Charlotte Weather IQ YouTube channel. Back now with our Carolina Weather Group panel, and we're going to be taking some of your questions that are coming in right now. We answered uh, one question earlier from Holly looking to leave the Charleston area and wanting to know where to evacuate. We'll remind folks that they can go to places like the Atlanta Speedway or the Charlotte Motor Speedway. If you have a camper, those campgrounds are open. Lots of questions coming in now. Really loving this. Uh, Deborah here is asking a question that I'm going to toss over to Frank. Any concern from for going to Columbia and flying out early Saturday? Coming to Columbia and then flying out early Saturday. Well, uh, if you if you come up to Columbia tomorrow, uh, be prepared for some crosswinds. It's going to be windy, not high winds tomorrow, but uh, some crosswinds to deal with from strong northeast wind. That's part of the reason you're getting uh, 
uh, some flooding concerns already tomorrow along the uh, along the low country coast there but uh, it'll be dry so uh, it should be able to make it uh, the rain and wind from I Ian comes through on uh, Friday and uh, then lifts north at night and uh, probably some lingering showers and still probably breezy at least but I think you'd be able to fly out Saturday morning uh, Jared, this question's for you, my friend. Anything else that we should add for the Charleston area to be concerned about outside of high winds and flooding? Well, one, we have a tornado threat on Friday. Um, I was actually looking at that a little bit, uh, well, listening to Chris um, and looking at some of the parameters there. And there certainly is the potential for... Uh, a few, you know, a, a few tornadoes to come ashore with the uh, strongest rain bands. And so that's something that we're certainly going to need to watch. You know, uh, there's some interesting things in the discussion where some of this lingering dry air that we've that we've had from this high pressure that's been here may infiltrate the storm a little bit and could uh, and could cause some breaks in the clouds and could ramp up that instability as well. So that's going to be something that we're going to be watching. Um, you know, water is certainly the main concern. Uh, you know, winds are going to be the biggest concern at the coast. We could see some, you know, stronger gusts well inland as well especially in those rain bands um you know i, I would say that again um freshwater flooding too you know the, the heavy rain you know I, I know that the tides are going to get a lot of attention because you know they're going to be so high but i mean we're still looking at you know four to six inches of rain in a, in a lot of spots and we're not we've not exactly been terribly dry here in the last month um, you know, we, we've, we've gotten a break, thank goodness. Uh, but you know, if, if you're in Charleston, you remember, uh, August or more like Saugust, um, and then the beginning of September, uh, where it just seemed like it was a forest gump rain every day, um, to, to put it one way. And so, and, and we got very saturated with that and, and, and that, you know, and we've had a couple dry weeks since then, but again, it may not take much to cause issues. So, and, and the rain on top of the on the on top of the tides is certainly uh, something that I would be very concerned about as well. James, you're muted. I pulled a Scotty Powell. There we go. I'm going to go to this <laughs> next comment here from Chuck watching on YouTube tonight. Uh, talking about Marion, South Carolina, anticipating a lot of rain. Praying for lower winds. Hope everyone stays safe. Chuck's talking about South Carolina, but I'm going to do a bit of a pivot, Scotty. Made me think of Marion, North Carolina, talking about the landslide threat. What in your backyard there in the foothills of North Carolina should we be watching for in terms of the threat of landslides? That's a great question, James. And I want to go back to we had a very dry June. And then in the months of July and August, we had around 20, 22 inches of rain. September has been dry over the last few weeks. So we're kind of in that that dry, that dry time, but I'm still concerned about the flooding issues uh, because it, the, the ground's still a little bit wet. You can kind of still tell there's a little bit of moisture in there. So um, with the flood threat, I, I think uh, that is highly one of the, the, the top category to watch here in the foothills. Um, just looking at some of the data coming in, uh, if you live anywhere along the escarpment of the Blue Ridge, and that's like uh, up into Buncombe County, McDowell County, where Marion's at, uh, Burke County, uh, Caldwell County, up into Wilkes County, uh, up into Allegheny County, 
kind of where those the Blue Ridge Mountains kind of meet with the peaks, uh, that's where we're going to see a lot of uh, lift or gra- graphic lift. So those winds that are coming in uh, kind of get squeezed up against those mountains and it kind of brings all the available moisture out. So we could see some higher rainfall totals there. Uh, this could definitely, uh, those areas could definitely see anywhere between six to eight inches of rain. In fact, um, I saw the latest output from the National Weather Service in Greenville Spartanburg, and they actually highlighted that area uh, being uh, six to eight inches of rain. Uh, and then if you get into the uh, the Hickory area down towards Statesville, Charlotte, you can see anywhere between two to four inches of rain, maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. than that. So uh, that is definitely the main concern. So with landslide threat, um, we have seen some drier conditions. So if we see a lot of heavy rain uh, that is just over one certain area, I think that uh, we could see some of those those lo- loosened soils uh, really uh, kind of give way and cause some landslides. And we are notorious for that. If you uh, remember back to uh, the Fred storm last year, we, we saw a lot of that uh, close to the Asheville area and then up into the, the Blue Ridge Mountains. So again, landslide threat is a concern. Um, so if you are traveling Friday night where we're expecting a lot of heavy rain and it being nighttime, if you are traveling, probably probably best idea to stay put inside because you don't want to be out on a mountainous road and the side of the mountain just decide to give way. So uh, Friday night is really that concern where we see the heavy rain, the gusty winds and the landslide threat at its highest. So uh, I've been telling my folks here, hey, if you don't have to do anything Friday night, first part of Saturday, it's a great night to uh, maybe uh, put some soup on and a good movie and uh, or, or read a book or something like that and just kind of hunker down until uh, Saturday afternoon when we get that dry slot in. Uh, the heaviest of the rain should start to push out of the area. Still see some rain, but not that heavy rain, and you could go about your activity, especially on Sunday forward. So it's kind of that Friday. Friday night is really the heightened uh, Friday night into the first half of Saturday really that heightened alert and then once we get into saturday afternoon into sunday things should start to uh generally uh, slowly move out of the area so um yeah the landslide threat is is real and so is the flood threat so that's something we'll have to watch um over the next few days all right appreciate that question uh here's a charlotte question that we can uh, toss around to the group uh from julie watching on facebook my husband and i are flying back to charlotte on sunday afternoon do you think there would be any turbulence or cancellation of the flight i'll take a stab at this one uh i think that by sunday things will be looking much better than on friday and saturday especially since that time frame it seems to be shifting a little bit earlier on friday for the height of things through the overnight into saturday i think there could definitely still be 15 mile per hour winds could be gusts could be some delays it's hard to predict that what the airlines might do in terms of their staffing or their aircraft hopefully by sunday they're getting themselves back on course but they obviously have a lot of flights to try to make up in lots of parts of the country so i think it's a non-zero chance that there could be some cancellations or delays even if the weather conditions would have allowed a flight if they're trying to make up uh other things in their infrastructure so a uh, good question on that i'm going to try here uh to get in frank straight uh who i think connection is back with us uh frank uh this question here is going to be for you is it, it was intended for brad but brad has hopped off to go prepare for his 11 o'clock news uh but brad was talking about the national hurricane center nailing the landfall week out forecasting getting better however as dave is asking here he see he seems to think the strength of forecast the intensity of the forecast still is lagging behind the location information that's contained in those forecasts. Uh, Frank, what are your thoughts on that? 
I think you're muted, Frank. There we go. Now I pulled a Scotty Powell. <laughs> Jared, now it's your turn next. Um, anyway, yes, you're exactly right. Uh, your perception is correct uh, that the, the Hurricane Center uh, intensity forecasts are, are not as quite as good as the uh, location and track forecast, and uh, they'll be the first to admit that, too. Uh, they they realize that and it's something they've put a lot of effort into recently. Now, I will say that over the last couple or three years, I think that their intensity forecast has gotten a lot better. They certainly have gotten better with uh, forecasting rapid intensification uh, compared to a few years ago. And uh, I, that may just be because they've had a lot of practice because the last couple of years have been really busy. We've had a lot of rapid intensification situations, but uh, I think the modeling of that has gotten better, too. So uh, I, I think we're getting there with the intensity forecasts, but we're not quite there yet. Good perspective. I appreciate that, Frank. We have uh, one more question tonight uh, before we wrap things up on this special live edition of the Carolina Weather Group. It comes in from Megan, and she asks, uh, will the storm have time or the right conditions to rebuild over the ocean before making landfall in South Carolina? This question is going to go to Jared. And of course, Jared, she's referencing that the the cone of uncertainty, the forecast from the National Hurricane Center has in reemerging off the east coast of Florida likely anticipated to be tropical storm strength, but depending on how much time it spends over those Atlantic Ocean waters before making a Georgia or South Carolina landfall, could it re-strengthen, in your opinion, Jared? Can't rule it out. Won't rule it out. Again, it's not as long as it doesn't get over the Gulf Stream, I think we're, you know, reasonably okay. We're going to be running into some, you know, some atmospheric trouble with it, too. There's going to be some shear working on it. There's going to be some dry air intruding into the, you know, trying to intrude its way into the storm. That's what's happening tonight. I mean, we've been as we've been, you know, broadcasting here, we've watched Ian, you know, start to entrain dry air. And that's good. That's what we want to happen uh, with these sorts of things. But, you know, you get it over the water. It could at least maintain strength. Could it? Could it get a little bit more? I mean, there's, uh, you know, the Hurricane Center discussion was uh, specifically called out a potential for a trough to help uh, actually vent it out a little bit, ventilate it a little bit and maybe help it, you know, uh, get back up there. So, uh, again, uh, that's a scenario that the Hurricane Center is uh, is is monitoring closely. And that's why for, you know, for uh, South Santee down to, um, uh, you know, down in Georgia, you know, including Charleston Metro, uh, down into uh, Beaufort and Hilton Head. That's why we have a hurricane watch. Um, it's, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this could do that. Ian has not, uh, you know, as, as most, you know, tropical systems are, you know, we've got the track part really down well, but as we were just talking about the intensity part, that can still be a little bit tricky. And that's uh, that. And, and so that's why we, you know, that's why we want folks to be, you know, ready for a hurricane, even though it looks like there is a tropical storm there. So certainly something to watch. I'll definitely be watching that with a great interest over the next 24 hours couple uh, orders of business before we get out of here. As Jared just mentioned, the forecast from the National Hurricane Center does have that tropical storm warning all along the coast uh, with a tropical storm watch extending inland to Columbia and to Charlotte and that hurricane watch along the coast for that possibility of what exactly we were just talking about there where maybe we do get some hurricane force uh, winds or conditions as uh, Ian reapproaches shore on Friday for that possible landfall. I do want to let folks know if you are listening to this audio podcast, if you are watching it on YouTube later or you're watching it carouseling, looping on our Carolina weather net at a later time 
other than this live edition right now, Wednesday night at 10, 14 p.m., you are looking at the screen at conditions, forecast, and warnings as they stood Wednesday at 8 p.m. from the National Hurricane Center and the National Weather Service. Our Carolina Weather Net is the place that you can just park it to watch live weather coverage throughout the week and the weekend. And at the bottom of the screen, there is always the latest information from the National Weather Service. So as bulletins, as warnings and watches get added or removed, they will scroll at the bottom of the screen. And then on the left-hand side of the Carolina Weather Net is where you can always see um real-time conditions, whether we're tracking the storm or we're looking at sky cams in your neighborhood. So uh, just want to let you know that if you're new to the Carolina Weather Group, you can check out our YouTube stream, the Carolina Weather Net, uh, which is up all the time with live conditions. And you can watch it any place you watch YouTube, whether that be your phone, your computer, or your smart TV, and it streams for free. Uh, you can also subscribe to our audio podcast feed, uh, which is carrying not only our forecast updates, but also the briefings from emergency officials. So if you get into a situation where you have limited access to power or limited access to internet, you can listen to the audio of the forecast or the emergency briefings as you might need. And of course, our Twitter feed at Carolina WX Group on Twitter will carry real-time warnings from the National Hurricane uh, National Weather Service for tornado warnings, severe thunderstorm warnings, and flash flood warnings. So if you're looking for those to be fed to your phone, that is a way to do it. I uh, want to give a special appreciation to our Carolina Weather Group panel with me here tonight, Jared Smith in Charleston, Scotty Powell in the foothills of North Carolina, and Frank Strait in Columbia. And a special thanks to all of our TV friends who joined us, Brad Penovich, Eric Davis, Chrissy Kohler, and Rob Fowler. Be sure to follow and watch them in your local markets as well. Stay safe, everybody. Again, take the time now to prepare your homes. Maybe the precautions won't be needed, and then you'll have all those extra storm supplies for whatever comes next. And if you take the time now to prepare with food, water, batteries, medicine, pets, all that stuff, and you do need it, you'll be happy that you got a jump start on it earlier rather than later. On behalf of everybody, I'm James Briarton. Stay subscribed. We'll be back with continuing coverage of Ian throughout the week and weekend right here from the Carolina Weather Group.